this is Sarah Lemon, author of the Whole Dish blog and food writer for the Mail Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. You can find it online at mailtribune.com forward slash podcasts and on my blog, The Whole Dish at blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food. Leftover Easter ham was sort of the obvious <laughs> inspiration for my most recent blog post under the headline, Deviled Ham Can Entertain Numerous Variations. Over the years, I've certainly had colleagues ask me, oh, can't you give us something more to do with leftover ham? I don't want to eat deviled ham. You know, no more ham croquettes. And while you're at it, something for those leftover deviled eggs as well. But I've always found it amusing, I suppose, that some of the most beloved Easter dishes are deviled something. <laughs> so make of, make of that what you will. But I did post a blog for deviled ham simply because it's delicious. It really is. And with some variations, you can actually keep it interesting as a sandwich filling pretty much all week if you're sort of set to eat that leftover ham sort of sandwich in and sandwich out. The recipe I posted was very straightforward. It was published by the Chicago Tribune about a year ago. And it was one that I modeled my deviled ham recipe for Easter after. I didn't make a large ham roast this year. I was off the hook for that because we decided to do a picnic instead. But I still wanted that deviled ham. And so I just bought an Applegate brand all-natural ham steak and, of course, just very quickly dispatched it in my food processor. And from there, it's a really, really straightforward concept to simply mix it with the same condiments and seasonings you would deviled eggs. They're, you know, pretty, pretty similar in their construction. Some mustard, mayonnaise, of course. can use onion. I used snipped fresh chives in mine, a little dash of Worcestershire sauce. I actually used some prepared horseradish in mine. Paprika is great. A little hot sauce, if you like that. I left it out just because my kids were going to be eating these, and they're only four and six palates, a little sensitive. Salt and black pepper, of course. And it goes really, really best on white sandwich bread. Although we rarely put our sandwich fillings on just plain old white bread in our house, deviled ham is really one of those things that that calls for it. You know, you're being indulgent. Why not just go for the white bread with the crust cut off, preferably, (laughs) which I did. I didn't make my mayonnaise mixture too goopy, although I do love mayonnaise because these were traveling for picnic. I didn't want it to sort of ooze out and to sort of shore up the integrity of this really, really soft bread. I actually spread one side with a thin layer of butter. I did add some little radish microgreens for a nice little bitter, kind of crunchy contrast. But generally speaking, I like the ham mixture itself to sort of be a homogenous, tender consistency. And I'm sort of of that ilk with all of my sandwiches. You can vary this. Again, make it interesting all week. Use something instead of the the mayonnaise. Sour cream, creme fraiche, or cream cheese were suggested. Mix up the mustards. Try a different kind of mustard, a spicy Creole mustard, a whole grain mustard. Use a different kind of onion, maybe scallions or red onions. Add a tablespoon of pickle relish, either sweet or dill, depending on what you like. Maybe some a minced garlic clove. 
squeeze a lemon juice or just a little splash of vinegar. And if you do like those crunchy things in your deviled ham, you could add some other kind of vegetable perhaps instead of the onion. Maybe very, very finely diced celery might be common or even some carrot. I might extend that to to turnip because it is so crisp and crunchy. But this formula came on the heels of a column by the Chicago Tribune contributor James Dewan, and his premise was creating the perfect sandwich with the caveat that do we really need to write a whole column on the perfect sandwich? Well, <laughs> there are some small things that can make or break a sandwich. And of course, he also acknowledged that there's just no arguing taste. Everyone is wildly different in what they prefer from Elvis's peanut butter and bacon, I think it was, to, you know, more classic sandwich combinations or something that's even a little bit more nouvelle cuisine like pear and brie, for example. I am plain Jane when it comes to my sandwiches. Most of the time, the vast majority of the time, I'm happy with just the meat and the cheese and some mayonnaise. The fact that my husband, and he wasn't my husband at that point, could hardly believe when we were going to go on a car trip and he was picking me up. I was just leaving work and he had had most of the day off. So he offered to make us some sandwiches for the road and asked me what I wanted on my sandwich. I said, eh, just the meat and cheese. He was making, I think, turkey and Swiss. He told me, it's really no avocado, no lettuce, no sprouts, onion, tomato. Nope, none of that. I, I don't care for any of it. For me, it's just superfluous and gets in the way from my enjoyment of what I consider the main ingredients in a sandwich. Now granted, a good veggie sandwich, if that is the point of the sandwich, is to just have vegetables as the filling, is certainly something I'll consider if done right. But I will have to say I definitely would prefer grilled vegetables under most circumstances, and preferably the entire sandwich grilled with some melted cheese. I'm just not a avocado, sprouts, tomato, lettuce, tempeh, steak type person. If that's a choice on the menu for sandwiches, I'll be more likely to just choose soup and a salad, quite honestly. But regardless of what your tastes are, there are a few things to give it a little bit more attention than than maybe you have been giving in your sandwich construction. That the Chicago Tribune's writer James DeWan suggested bread being one, condiments being another, layering being one of the considerations, and height finally being the last. And, and he wrote this all in pretty entertaining fashion. This came out about a year ago. This column came out in April 2018. And I had been holding on to the deviled ham recipe to post to my blog when it was appropriate. But there, there is some truth to some of this. There, it is food for thought, so to speak, because not everyone really gives these things their due. Bread, of course. The bread, even though the meat and the cheese are sort of the main ingredients, really makes it. I mean, without bread, you're just left with this assortment of ingredients that have no context, you know, no vehicle. So the bread really does 
deserve some attention. My husband almost would rather go without a sandwich than to have bread that's been in the freezer and defrosted. The texture just doesn't do it for him. And I would have to say I kind of sort of agree. I do stockpile bread in the freezer because our kids go through it fast enough with peanut butter and jelly and grilled cheese sandwiches that we would very quickly run out of bread faster than it would stay fresh in our pantry without molding if I didn't, you know, squirrel some of that away in the freezer. James Dewan made a case for just very, very straightforward, simple white sandwich bread. A lot of people like a wide variety of multi-grain breads. I would have to say I'm somewhere in the middle, definitely with the agreement that a good quality bread really makes a difference. A fresh baked bread, one that's, you know, been baked within the past couple of days, preferably an artisan type bread. But I'm, I sort of go, go in the middle of white and really, really whole grain healthy. A lot of the organic um, great seed breads and um, Dave's Killer bread have eaten a fair amount of Ezekiel bread in my life, which is sprouted wheat bread. They're just a little too coarse. You know, sprouted wheat bread I'll do with peanut butter maybe. So I like to tread somewhere in the middle. You know, a few whole grains added, but nothing that's super, super seedy or coarse textured definitely detracts, in my opinion. Your preference for bread may diverge from that, but either way, you can't argue with a good quality artisan bread if you can get your hand on it. Condiments is the next point to bring up. Obvious, right? Mayonnaise, mustard, (laughs) maybe ketchup if you're of that elk. But they should be of a judicious application, I guess I would say. My main issue over the years with Subway, why I was just never a fan is that the condiments were just glopped all over. Now, granted, they've taken some more care in the past few years, but it would just ooze out of the sandwich, the mayonnaise and mustard, in just very, very unappetizing fashion, just overwhelming all the other ingredients. And again, I'm someone who likes mayonnaise. So it they should be applied in an appropriate quantity. And and a lot of people overlook this, including Subway, (laughs) spread over the entire surface of the bread out to the edges. When I was in college, I had a friend commenting on her perception of my pickiness, (laughs) which I probably shouldn't even try to deny. And the remark that I must be one of those people who has to have the peanut butter and jelly all the way to the edges of the bread as if that was some kind of put down. And I looked at her like, doesn't everybody? (laughs) It does seem obvious, right? If you don't get your condiments all the way to the edge of the bread, you're inevitably going to be left with a bite that is dry and has no flavor. So just take that extra few seconds to ensure that the condiments are spread evenly. Layering is another important point. Whatever you place on your sandwich, whatever the ingredients, whatever your preference is, make sure, again, they're layered evenly so that each bite is consistent. You don't have 
a huge hunk of meat on one half and a huge hunk of cheese on the other half. In fact, getting the cheese cut off the block too thickly sort of drives me nuts when it comes to sandwich construction, as does layering deli meats just flat, particularly if they're thin cut, you know, kind of thinly, thinly shaved deli meats. To just lay them flat on the sandwich does nothing for the texture at all. So I sort of roll them up, you know, sort of crisscross them back and forth a little bit for lack of a better explanation. You all know what I'm talking about when you do this. But it it not only just improves the appearance, it just improves the mouthfeel and the texture so much. But you don't want it so high, you can't fit it into your mouth. And this is probably one of the most important points I think that food professionals could make over the past few years when this craze for mile-high sandwiches and burgers have become, you know, sort of social media fodder, things people want to post to Instagram. I mean, how are you supposed to eat that, right? I've seen some of them skewered together, like literally with a steak knife. It looks good. looks like an indulgence, but just totally, totally impractical as a sandwich. I mean, that's a knife and fork meal. And so definitely paying attention to how high the sandwich is, I I think is, is paramount. It makes all the difference whether you can eat it or not. And not have ingredients falling out, falling all over, falling into your lap. Because sandwich is supposed to be portable food as well, right? I mean, if you have to sit up to the table really to eat a sandwich instead of carrying it around with you like it was kind of originally intended, that defeats the purpose. So again, shake off the the urge to make a mile high sandwich, piled high sandwich, and just stick with something realistic. In short, above all, James DeWan says, make all your sandwiches with love, including trying the doubled ham recipe on the current post to my blog, The Whole Dish. That was published April 23rd under the headline, Doubled Ham Can Entertain Numerous Variations. Thank you for listening to The Whole Dish.